0: Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. Find them online at theatlantadivorceteam.com. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. You've heard it said that he who laughs last, lasts, be- uh, <laughs> almost. Almost got that one on the first try. He who laughs last, laughs best. You've heard that said before, kind of the old cliche type thing. Uh, That is one of those things that seems to be true. In the case of Kirby Smart, that might definitely be true. Because there was a thing, you know, year or so ago, a little bit longer than I guess now, that Kirby Smart kind of had some eyebrows raised about, some questions, some criticism maybe. And yet things seem to have worked out very well on the Kirby Smart front on all of this. Let me explain what I'm talking about by setting it up this way. We got really good news, if you're a Georgia fan, just after we went off the air for Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp yesterday, when we found out that Daniel Calhoun, big-time prospect, number 15 player in the state of Georgia, number six offensive tackle, number what, you know 98 player overall. You're talking about a top 100 player, one of the top players in Georgia, one of the top offensive line uh, of any stripe, when he announced his commitment to the University of Georgia yesterday. I want to show you a nice little graphic here that Dog Nation put together to celebrate the news there you see uh, daniel calhoun looking fantastic uh, daniel calhoun this is kind of an interesting uh, uh sort of addendum to all this footnote to all of this uh, he had been at centennial our good friend and colleague connor riley played uh, high school football at centennial there as well connor actually knows Daniel's uh, two older brothers uh very well who also both went on to play college football. Daniel is now at Walton, one of the powerhouse programs in our state, but had been at Centennial prior to this, but he announced his commitment to Georgia yesterday. This was really big news. Georgia has been on a recruiting hot streak when it comes to its offensive line as of late Michael Uwini on Friday, Daniel Calhoun yesterday, and there's so much to like about Calhoun. We've kind of chronicled this. You know, Georgia fans want to win those big battles in state. You know, Georgia's clearly an elite recruiting program. A lot of that sometimes seems to come of the national variety, and yet there's still going to be a lot of Georgia fans who want to see Georgia, as the phrase goes, keep those dogs at home, try to keep some of those – uh, big time prospects in the state of Georgia from leaving, especially Atlanta area, where it seems like sometimes the emotional pull for UGA isn't quite as great as it is when you sort of extend beyond like say middle Georgia or South Georgia or something like that. Well, uh, Daniel Calhoun, an example of not just a big recruiting win for Georgia, but a big win in state there as well, and I think folks really like that. It's also seemingly a return to form for Georgia when it comes to recruiting some of the largest humans on earth uh, as a part of its offensive line. Calhoun is certainly a big one, and uh, that's kind of been the uh, theme that Georgia has gone after with its offensive line here this year. The other thing that I think really kind of matters on the Calhoun front is is that Calhoun seems to be one of those recruits, the best that you can tell based on kind of his public statements, that's making what Georgia fans would call a good decision for the right reasons. This is a guy who doesn't seem to be all that swayed by some of the glitz and glamour that exists around the recruiting process right now. You take an official visit to Texas, and they got all the Lamborghinis and the Ferraris and all that kind of stuff, you know, parked around uh, you know, the, the football facility while you're there. But that kind of stuff does not seem to have swayed Calhoun he seems to be a little bit more in line with some long-range thinking of the way in which his college experience plants seeds for roots that could grow for him that eventually will make him the best version of himself as he looks ahead to what he hopes is a professional football future. In fact, you know Jeff Sintel had a story with Daniel yesterday at dognation.com kind of reacting to the commitment, and there was one quote from Daniel Calhoun in that particular um story that sort of stood out to me as an example of hey if you're a Georgia fan this is maybe an example you feel like you got yourself a good recruit here in Daniel Calhoun but also it seems to be what we see a lot of here over the course of the last couple of years with you know the advent of transfer portal and NIL and some of that kind of stuff I think there's I think there's just a little bit more freedom for recruits to make whatever decision they want to make going in you know you want the sort of glitzing glamour of a, of a program. You know you want to kind of have the kind of spotlight on you type situation. There are a lot of programs that want to give that to you. But there are other programs that are going to try to carve out a little bit different niche for themselves. And listen, any kind of success in anything live business whatever else, it's all about sort of sort of establishing your differentiator. What makes you different in your competition? What is your specific sort of, you know, value proposition that that makes you different from those that you might be competing with? And in Georgia, clearly the thing that Kirby smart and this program has wanted to sell has tried to sell is the idea of player development, that it's going to be hard here and it's not going to be for everybody, but the spoils and the rewards you get on the other side of having been here is going to make you more fulfilled. You know, you know, you're going to reap more rewards and benefit from that that maybe other programs are going to be able to promise. And it seems like that's the kind of thing that Daniel Calhoun wants for himself. I want to show you this quote, I think, that kind of highlights that. Calhoun in the story at dognation.com yesterday saying that I picked Georgia because development is really key for me. He says, my goal is to try to make it to the NFL. Really, development is key for me. Also, the players and the coaches there, our relationships are very close. So if Kirby Smart could pick the two reasons why – He'd want a player to want to be at Georgia. I believe what Calhoun says there, those would be those two reasons. Kirby has talked over and over again. Other players and coaches have there as well, but Kirby has led the way on this. But the idea that, that Kirby wants the Georgia program to be a place where players feel connected to each other understanding as Kirby says all the time their why in other words the reason why they like to play football knowing about the guy you're lining up with when things get hard when things get tough when challenges and adversity come your way if you feel connected to the guys you're playing with the coaches that you're playing for at that point in time then the the challenge of getting through all this just becomes a little bit easier to manage. And Daniel Calhoun already says that's something he feel like he notices. And he also kind of recognizes Georgia as a program that's been very good at development. This past NFL draft, the latest example of that with guys like Broderick Jones uh, moving on to the First round of the NFL draft. Clearly, a guy like Daniel Calhoun is noticing that, and I would say that Kirby Smart probably likes the idea that these are the reasons that Calhoun is choosing to play at UGA. And as I said to start sort of start our conversation a few minutes ago, Calhoun is also the latest example of something that at one point time some Georgia fans were a little suspicious about, a little skeptical of. And yet things seem to be working out exactly as Kirby Smart, I guess, had hoped that they probably would. You will know that when Matt Luke made the somewhat surprising decision to step away from college coaching a couple of years ago and, you know, just deciding he wanted to kind of, you know, the next phase of his life not to include coaching. Well, a lot of Georgia fans were kind of left to wonder, okay, what does this mean for the Georgia offensive line coaching position? After all, Luke had stepped in after Sam Pittman, I think somewhat surprisingly, had become Arkansas head coach, and Pittman had been such a key part of this Georgia coaching staff. When he left, finding his replacement was going to be pivotal. I think Matt Luke satisfied that for the most part, and then Luke moved on, and all of a sudden, now you're like, okay, well, now you really have some big questions about what you're going to do here with this position, and Kirby made the made the decision to bring back backstage a guy had been here during the Mark Richt era, a time in which Georgia football just wasn't nearly as successful as it is now. And the arrival of Serrell's for his second stint as Georgia offensive line coach, as many of you know, was not met with universal praise. Some of this was met with what's going on here. And, And Georgia fans, by and large, generally speaking, trust Kirby Smart, of course. But part of this just sort of felt a little bit weird to some Georgia fans of This was a guy that Georgia fans weren't quite so sure they thought of as a great offensive line coach. And there was a little bit of a disconnect with, well, how could Kirby be wanting to bring him back when a good number of Georgia fans sort of thought they knew what the Serral story was? But guess what? As said before, you know, Kirby Smart's getting the last laugh on a lot of people here because Stacy Serral's has turned out to be, I think, a very successful offensive line coach for Georgia. And the hot streak that Georgia's on right now in recruiting, specifically with the offensive line, may be the latest example of this. Georgia's also already gotten two big commits the last few days. When you think about Michael Uaney on Friday, uh, Calhoun coming yesterday, they're looking ahead to future days here the next couple of days which more offensive linemen could join the fold. And obviously, Stacey Serral's is getting a lot of the credit for that we would say justifiably so in fact let's go back to Monday's show when we had a chance to talk to John Stinchcomb John of course was a former All-American offensive lineman at Georgia also won a Super Bowl the New Orleans Saints a lot of credibility in John Stinchcomb's words and when he looked into the situation at the time thinking that Calhoun might join up knowing that Uini had joined up uh, John Stinchcomb I think correctly pointed out you know what it's time to reconsider the Stacey Serrells hire and realize, actually, Stacy's doing a pretty good job. This is what John Stinchcomb said about that on Monday.
1: Well, I think first, uh, let's comment on Coach Serrell's ability to step yeah. in and, and battle against Michigan and Alabama for these top recruits. So you you look at the other schools that were coveting his, uh, his play at the next level and they're the best of the best across the country. And um, for Coach Searles to be able to compete at that, uh, in the recruiting uh, world the way he's done so far this year with, with three commitments so far and still a number of players in the hopper that, that are potential, uh, it was a concern when, when we moved on from Coach Pittman to Coach Luke and, and now Coach Searles. Uh, is there going to be a drop-off?
0: So listen, this is to me one of the things that makes sports great. The fact that in politics – Sometimes what's maddening about some of the arguments that you get there, if you watch cable news, things like that, what's maddening about some of the arguments is, is there doesn't seem to be any kind of way to decide who the winner really is. Right. It's like this side says this, this side says that they're at each other's throats and they can't even agree on a standard to judge who actually wins the argument. So therefore, the argument just never really stops. But in sports, we have this really great thing. We have a scoreboard. And you may think this, I may think that. We spend the spring, the summer arguing, debating about this kind of stuff. But ultimately, most of us who are sports fans and the kind of sports arguments that go on here, most of us have a little bit of a tacit agreement that eventually the scoreboard will rule overall. And if I think this and you think that, we will look to the scoreboard and the scoreboard will determine who the winner of these arguments are. And you want to go back to when Stacy Searles was hired as Georgia offensive line coach? There were some arguments taking place. There were some people who were saying, well, guess what? If Kirby Smart wants to hire him, then Smart probably knows what he's doing because of the success that Kirby has had. There are other folks who are like, I saw with my own eyes what Stacey Serral's was at one point in time. This doesn't feel like that great of a decision, but scoreboard is on Stacy Serral's side. Scoreboard is on uh, the Georgia football uh, side of things. Stacy Serral's is going on winning the kind of big-time offensive line recruiting battles that a good position coach, a good offensive line coach is supposed to do. But as John Stinchcomb also pointed out on Monday, it's not just that. Because you don't get the Yuenes and the Calhouns or the Nyer Daniels or whatever else is coming down the pipe. You don't get that without also having a track record of success to kind of point to. That it takes more than a personality, it takes more than a clever pitch, it takes more than those kinds of things to win these kinds of recruiting battles. You also have to show guys what success on the field looks like. And as you all have heard me say over and over again for the uh, last couple of weeks, is that the Georgia offensive line performance last season, and in 2021 there as well, but last season, because we're talking about uh, Stacey Sarles here, that was as much a part of why Georgia won the national championship as anything. I believe this was the best offensive line in America last year. They should have won the Joe Moore Award. The fact they didn't says more about the award than it says about Georgia, I believe. But nonetheless... Why is Stacey Serrells winning these kinds of recruits right now? Because he put an offensive line on the field last year that was capable of winning and dominating in a lot of big games for Georgia. And John Stinchcomb was more than happy to point that out again on Monday. Let's hear him one more time.
1: It's worth noting, and you know, I'm I'm assuming there's more to come, but you look at the wins that he's had. And a lot of it has to do with the performance on the field. As a recruit, you want to make sure – you know, the, the program is succeeding. How about my position group? And the performance of the offensive line this past season um, is one of the reasons, is one of the primary reasons that Georgia dominated all but one game they played in all year. And it's a testament to the resiliency and the uh, ability for Coach Eros to come right in and uh, take, take a, a mix of experienced players and some guys that were still cutting their teeth um, and, and developed them and put together a, a group that performed at a really high level. And that is, that's the number one recruiter. Guys want to be a part of a great program that my position group can thrive. And, and Coach Searles has proven that that's an opportunity for all players that are willing and wanting to come to be a part of the, the
0: Georgia program. I think it goes without saying that John Stinchcomb is exactly right right there. Now, let me also make one more small point, point. we're going to move on and talk about something different here for a moment. When you look at the true defining strength for the very best programs in college football, present day, recent history, however you want to kind of draw those parameters, y'all, it's your position coaches that really tell the tale here. There are a lot of programs that have a pretty good head coach, and there are a decent number of programs that have pretty good coordinators. You know, if we were in charge of a football team – you know, we could probably hire a head coach. We would kind of know who to go after. We could probably hire some coordinators. We'd sort of know who to go after. But the real strength are the position coaches for two reasons, because you have to have an eye for talent when you're hiring these guys. And you have to have the kind of budget that can kind of attract these guys and then keep them employed. You know, George is very lucky that they've got a handful of very successful assistants who've been here now for a good number of years. That continuity is incredibly valuable. And I've been saying this for a long time, going back, for mostly the entire history of Dog uh, Nation Daily. That you can get fixated on the facility stuff and that's fine, but commercial real estate is not winning you national championships. And you can talk about head coaches and coordinators, they're certainly pretty famous. But that ability to spin big, to attract quality position coaches, to keep them happy and let them do their job, that's the thing that separates from the best from the rest. Right now, Georgia is the very best. And do not mistake the way in which very successful position coaches like Stacy Sarles to go along with the Trey Scotts and the Glenn Trumans, who's now coordinator but has been a position coach, and the Todd Hartleys and the Del McGees make no mistake about the role that guys like that play in propelling Georgia to the success that it has enjoyed my name is brandon adams and this is dog nation daily the daily podcast for georgia bulldogs fans presented today by merry weather and thought a lot of ways for you to get with us we're just glad you choose one and whichever platform you like we're just trying to make the show available for you there whether it's the first and 15 which starts at nine forty-five on DogNation.com and on the dog nation app 10 a.m after that facebook youtube twitter twitch all kinds of video platforms radio noon App and Sports Radio 96 the ref as a podcast wherever you find them, including the worldfamous dognation.com. We are just so happy to have you as a part of what we're doing here. And a big thanks to our friends at Merryweather and Tharp for making it all possible. And I know you hear me say it every week and you're like, oh, divorce. We gotta talk about divorce. Well, for some people, yeah, you do have to talk about divorce. And I hate that. it's one of those things where I I wish it wasn't true. But for many of you, it is just a reality that has to be confronted. And so when you find this challenge, this set of circumstances kind of in the pathway for you that can't be avoided, the best thing to do is to make a plan, a very successful plan, to put you in a position to enjoy what's on the other side of this divorce process, this decision to move forward with all of this. And that's what a great advocate can help you do here. And I do truly believe my friends at Meriwether and Tharp are a great advocate for you because listen, their track record of success speaks for itself. They have helped thousands of people before get to a satisfactory outcome in their own divorce situation. So if you find yourself in this going through the scary and confusing sort of emotions that can be conjured up throughout all of this, then trust what has worked for other people before and have that initial consultation. I'm not telling you to believe in them just because I tell you they're great, although I do believe they are great and will be great for you. I want you to verify this for yourself by having that free initial consultation with one of those Merriweather and Tharp attorneys. Tell your story. Sometimes it's just kind of nice to have someone listen to your story, talk to them about your circumstances and what's unique to your situation, and then just listen. And the conversation will go into a direction about what you can do to protect yourself, protect all the things that matter to you and put yourself into a position to enjoy what comes next on the other side of this divorce situation. That is why Meriwether and Tharp is your source for Georgia divorce. I want you to find them online at theatlantadivorceteam.com. That's theatlantadivorceteam.com. Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. All right, we have a very busy show for you here today. Coming up before we're done, we're going to do this for the live audience here at 1050 this morning. We're going to talk to the former Georgia quarterback, Jake Fromm. It'll be a part of a Kroger Fresh Take. Now, when we have Jake on the show, what we are also going to do there as well is we're going to announce the winner of our uh, Celebrating American Heroes contest, courtesy of our friends at Kroger and Traeger Grills. We'll announce the winner of that here coming up before the show is done today there as well. So we got a lot of ground to cover there before all of that. Also, Terrence Edwards stops by in a couple of minutes the wide receiver spot at georgia has been kind of an interesting topic for us the last couple of days terrence always has plenty of really interesting things to say about that so we will talk to terrence about all of that here coming up in just a moment prior to that let's go around the doghouse as we welcome back serve pro to around the doghouse here today our friends at serve pro been such a big part of around the doghouse throughout the years and they are back with us again here so around the doghouse presented today by our friends at serve pro they do really important work we'll tell you more about that here in just a moment but as a part of around the doghouse presented by serve pro here today i do want to also highlight another big recruiting decision that is set to be made it's going to be a late one and i believe it's 10 p.m eastern time for joseph jonah uh, jonye uh who is a, a big time defensive line prospect number 37 prospect in the entire country Corner of the 24-7 Sports uh, Composite, he is set to make his decision tonight. There's a number of sort of hats on the table, so to speak. A lot of folks sort of think this kind of comes down to a Georgia versus Oklahoma battle in in some respects. A lot of folks kind of like where Georgia may sit here. Recently, Joseph uh, Ojonie also had kind of interesting quotes about his commitment decision, about his recruiting process with uh, his local – he's from Texas – his local hometown newspaper. It's called The Courier. Uh, He had a chance to talk to them about kind of where things stand with him. And his way of sort of previewing what we're going to hear later on tonight from Jonah Jonye, let's hear him in his own words right now, kind of talking about, you know, the decision between Georgia, maybe Oklahoma and kind of how he's working through that process here right now. Let me uh, give you some of this. He says, and this is via The Courier. I don't know that we've cited The Courier before as a uh, source here on Dog Nation Daily, but they are the uh, hometown paper there for Mr. uh, Jonye. So uh, here's what he told them. He says, I really like the way I fit into both defenses. He means both Georgia and uh, and, and Oklahoma. He says, I think Oklahoma wants to prioritize me more as a defensive tackle. He says, Georgia wants to keep me more as a defensive end. I love the culture at both schools, and I loved Athens and Norman. It's going to come down to whichever one feels like home. That's what Joseph Jonah Ajonye told his local hometown newspaper about a commitment decision that a lot of folks think, even though there's a good number of suitors potentially there for services, sort of looking in on an Oklahoma and a Georgia's maybe the top two there on that and kind of talking about how Georgia's recruiting him compared to how Oklahoma's recruiting him there. And obviously, I think Jeff Sintel's going to have a story on this coming up at dognation.com there as well, sort of previewing that a little bit more. This would obviously be a major recruiting win if George were able to get it, especially in kind of light of some of what's been going on here as of late. You know, Georgia missed out on a Justin Scott the other day. There's some thought that a defensive end like Edrick Houston might be also uh, veering in the direction of Ohio State. So getting a win of this caliber would obviously be a very, very big deal. Many of you also know that. Joseph Jonier's uh, uh, high school teammates, Justin Williams, a five-star linebacker that Georgia's is very much a player with here right now. Winning this battle would seemingly have some momentum there for that too, you would left be left to assume. So it's tonight, it's late. Uh, Dog Nation watching it closely as a uh, big-time, Number 37 rated prospect in the country, Joseph Jonah Ajoinye, getting ready to make his college decision. You hear him there in his own words talking about the pitch that Georgia's given to him. Come here, be a defensive end. By the way, following the footsteps of a guy who at that same position became the number one overall pick in the NFL draft. And maybe for Georgia, who's been on a little bit of a hot streak in recruiting lately, some of that on the offensive side of ball on the line of scrimmage, Maybe some of that happens for the defensive line here later on tonight. We'll certainly have to watch and see. And we will make that Around the Doghouse, presented today by our friends at ServePro. And as I told you before, I am so happy to have ServePro back with us here on Around the Doghouse here right now because I love the work that ServPro does has done for so many of you over the years including us here at dog nation there as well some of you remember the story it was like what a year or so ago uh last fall it was, last, was it last fall this happened where we had uh, a water thing broke like a pipe broke or something like that and literally the area around the the wonderful palatial studio i get a chance to sit in was just completely just ransacked and it was awful and our friends at SurPro came showed up and they did for us what i've been telling you they will do for you now for a couple of years they cleaned it up and they left it like it never even happened that's what they do for water damage for fire damage for any of that kind of stuff that you might have going on there that is what serve pro is all about they put this stuff back together whether it's your own home whether it's your commercial property whatever you have going on that's what our friends at serve pro are all about also each and every one of these franchises is independently owned and operated what that means is is that when you do business with serve pro you're doing business with a company that has some skin in the game here. They value a successful, satisfactory outcome for you just the same way you value that for yourself. It is why I've been so proud to have them as a part of Around the Doghouse for such a long time, including back here right now. So if you're looking around at your home or maybe a rental property that you own or some sort of commercial space and you see damage caused by fire, caused by water, caused by who even knows what else. Our friends at Pro want to clean that up for you. They want to fix it up for you. They have what we call restoration specialists. They want to restore store what you have, the property that you own back to its original condition and really leave it like it never even happened. No signs, no traces, no residue. That is what our friends at ServPro are all about. So please find them online at ServPro.com. Let me spell it for you. The word "serve," S-E-R-V in this case, ServPro.com, S-E-R-V, ServPro.com. It is great to have them back with Around the Doghouse uh, here today. All right. So before we're done, I told you, it's Jake Fromm. We'll announce the winner of our Celebrating American Heroes contest. What a fun thing that's been uh, for us around Dog Nation here this summer, especially on the heels of the uh, 4th of July, Independence Day, America's birthday, greatest country in the world, we believe. Uh, So all of that coming at the uh, conclusion of the uh, show today. But for now... I did not get a chance to speak to Terrence last week. Terrence has been grinding here right now. Uh, uh, He's been out in the heat doing a bunch of football stuff, but he's obviously watching everything happening around Georgia football very, very closely, and – yesterday we kind of got a lot into the wide receiver situation and some of the attention that group is getting here right now so I know that Terrence will have a lot to say about that also we'll kind of talk to him about some of the UGA recruiting stuff that's going on there as well so let's get ready to settle in and do that we appreciate all of you being here today talking Georgia football having a good time and we love it when Terrence Edwards does the same thing We'll enjoy it with Jake Fromm coming up a little bit later on there as well. So good to have him and all of you with us here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp today. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. I don't know that anybody loves the game of football more than Terrence Edwards does, and no one's dedicated more of their time to it than Terrence has. You know, He's a part of a great uh, program here in Georgia, the Milton uh, program there, in North Fulton, and uh, they've been going through their, you know, not really two-a-days anymore. It's more like their OTA-type stuff and, you know, getting in there and, uh, and working hard and practicing out here in the summer heat. Terrence, thanks for being back on Dog Nation Daily here today, and boy, you find out how much you really do love football when it's, you know, a thousand degrees like it is here in July or like it was last week in late June, and you know, you're out there, you're losing weight, you're sweating, you know, through your clothes. Uh, you find out how much football really means to you when you're participating in the sport in conditions like that, right?
2: Oh, most definitely. You know, I was just sitting that thinking as a player in middle Georgia, how it's the heat is just a little different uh, in middle Georgia with the gnats and everything else. I'm like, we just had no problem. That's what we were supposed to do. I am like, we was crazy. Being out there and three the, three a day practice with down there, with Rick Tumbling down in Washington County, so ah, uh, you gotta love it. Football is a sport that you gotta love. You can't fake it because it's. I personally believe it's the hardest sport out there to play.
0: Did you just say three a days? Y'all are doing three a days back yes. then?
2: Yes, we we did three a days and the schedules. We had a, a defensive practice in the morning. Um, then we went to lift weights. We had lunch. Special teams practice from one to two. We took a break. Then offensive practice from five to eight, I think it was. And we did two weeks of that. And I, I, I guess that's why we left with three state championships.
0: That's exactly right. We should explain to people, this is, you know, Washington County, this is not a roster of 150 people. So when there's a- – when there's defensive practice, you're participating in that. When it's special teams practice, Correct. you're also it, – it's not like there's a different 50 guys that do the special teams and a different 50 guys that do defense. It's like you and Takeo Spikes and all you guys, uh, your brother Robert, you know, years before, like whatever phase of the game, everybody's got a role in each of those phases of the game.
2: Almost oh, definitely. It wasn't Well, we have 100 kids. and No, we played both ways. We played both ways and everybody had participated in the defensive practice. Special team and then offensive practice. So it it was, it was, it was great though. I I wouldn't change it for the world what we, what we went through and the football aspect of it. Man, it was great times. And 25 years later, because this is my 25th class reunion, 25 years later, we're still talking about those Washington in county Golden Hawks back in the
0: late 90s. Now, listen, I love that for sure. Let me do one more thing on kind of a similar topic, then we'll move on to something else. You know, Kirby's talking about this over the years there as well, and one of the things that he said before, which I think is really funny, but it's also probably true there as well, is, you know, so-and-so as a player, hey, sometimes these guys practice better indoors than they do outdoors, is that, you know, this time of year, you know, whether it be some of these August scrimmages that will be coming up for Georgia or some of the stuff that you all are doing to kind of get ready for the high school season right now, There is a little bit of a mental check there, right? That that you've got to be able to embrace the part of the game here mentally, because when you get tired, it becomes hard to think through your responsibilities quite as well. You know, if you're trying to you know block a guy, it's hard to kind of think about that, or if you're trying to remember the routes you're supposed to run, whatever else. The heat kind of plays tricks on your mind. It's a little bit hard to think about what you're supposed to do when all you may want to think about is just how hot you are and how much you want to get indoors and these fancy, nice indoor facilities that exist now, which I'm guessing y'all didn't have in Washington County back in the day, but when you have all that kind of stuff going on that the level of kind of mental focus required to go out and practice outside right now is just a little bit different kind of thing isn't it
2: oh most definitely when you have any kind of element weather elements it's rainy or cold or super hot you're not thinking 100 percent on the task at hand you're thinking about man it's hot man it's rainy man it's cold and you lose focus that that comes your primary focus in your mind of you know i, I While we're out here, we have this nice indoor facility. Man, I wish we was inside out this heat. So your focus kind of lacks a little bit because you're worried about the elements and rightfully so uh, because there's been some hot days, some rainy days, some cold days that I didn't have the luxury to go inside when I was at Georgia or in high school. And, shoot, a lot of these high schools now have indoor facilities that they could go inside. So uh, the times that we're living in right now, but it, it is a mental hurdle that some of the guys have to get over it. And it's tough. I, I, I'm a player, and I always kind of speak from a player, player perspective. It's tough going out there in 100-degree weather and going out there and getting everything every day. It gets tiresome sometimes.
0: All right, let's shift gears here. One of the things we talked about yesterday was the fact that it seems like right now the Georgia wide receiver position is getting a level of praise that we don't often see this group getting in recent years. You know, Athlon's preseason magazine ranks the Georgia wide receivers as the best in the SEC. That's, a you know, I guess an opinion worth taking note of. Pro football focus, which is admittedly not everyone's cup of tea, but pro football focus has the Georgia wide receivers, the fourth best in the entire country. What do you make of the fact that this group this year seems to be getting a level of attention that maybe previous Georgia wide receiver groups just didn't get, maybe suffering by comparison with the other great position groups at UGA? It seems like this season could be the wide receiver's time to shine.
2: Oh, I think so. Um, this group is very talented. And I think you 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 combine a uh, Dominique Lovett coming in, rah Ra Thomas and uh, Ladd McConkie. You just look at their stats last year. Uh, i'm pretty sure all of them was north of 700 yards last year so um, it yes it, it's not a thousand yards but if you get three receivers on the same team plus the generational tight end that we have with six hundred ever all those guys are north of six hundred yards that is a lot of yards uh that we've gained i know every georgia receiver and georgia fans want that elite wide receiver trying to get that five star but if you you can find a guy that go out there and and just be who they are and be the player that they could be i mean Dominique Lovett, i think is he is that dude and um and i'm pretty sure he wasn't a five star so i love this group uh i talked i spoke with b matt last week and he loved this group it's very deep even with the young guys. um i would love the the top four speed guys go out and run a four by one we really got some speed in this room now and, I can't wait to see these guys and see what Bobo and that offensive group can do with the receivers. We know what Brock is going to do. That's, that's already uh, a far gone conclusion. Now we just want to – can these receivers uh, do the same? And I think they can.
0: Well, I think that's a really good point because I think when you look at some of the recent successful offenses in the SEC, and obviously Georgia won the last two national championships, so they're in that category too. But when you look at some of the success, I think what you see is, okay, there are a lot of teams that may have the great sort of primary pass catcher and for you know, we're gonna assume that's Brock Bowers here for right now. But when you see that secondary guy, that second leading receiver, you know, when Alabama's got a Jameis Williams and a John Mechie, when LSU's got a Jamar Chase and a, you know, whoever else you want to kind of, you know, you know, put number two after that, that when you've got these like secondary receivers who are also getting big numbers and putting up those, you know, those those big stats, at that point in time it kind of unlocks the entirety of the offense and you Oftentimes, we'll see a thousand-yard rusher to go along with those two very bro- prolific, you know, wide receivers. That if Georgia can really cultivate more than just Brock Bowers and a wide receiver, whether it be Lamarcus or Dominic Lovett or whatever else, they can kind of be on par statistically with what uh, Bowers has been. Then at that point in time, the entire offense may be unlocked, and Georgia goes out and puts up even bigger numbers this year than it has in recent seasons.
2: No, I agree. I I, I I've been. At- I'm the component of having multiple weapons where when a defensive staff goes into the meeting room and they they trying to figure out what are we going to stop today? Brock Bowers is always going to be number one on the list. And that unlocks the, the other receivers. That unlocks Dominique Lovett, Ra-Ra, Ladd, McConkey, uh, Bell, uh, Marcus. Like, that unlocks that room to, if you're going to cover Brock and put all your attention on Brock, look what we can do. And when you get to a... A a time and place in the season where you're going to count on one of these guys to go out and be that 100 yard receiver, two touchdowns. I think we have the guys in that room to be able to take over a game. So I'm very, uh, I mean, I I can't wait to see what this offense is going to look like. I'm for sure it's going to be Brock centric because any smart offensive coordinator would make it Brock centric. But we have guys, too, that can make plays when their opportunity presents itself.
0: No, I think that's exactly right. I think it's kind of fun because it seems like the wide receiver spot at Georgia here this year, and you kind of touched on this, it's kind of made up of some different kind of guys. You know, Dominic Lovett's sort of that traditional slot receiver, you know, a guy that you praised before Dylan Bell. This is the guy that kinda of brings some of that beef. He's that, you know, sort of bigger bodied receiver and he uses his body well. And you know, there are guys like Arian Smith, who we think is fully healthy now. That's that guy that's gonna run right past you and you know, Lab a little bit of a combination of maybe all those things where it seems like Georgia has kind of finally established a wide receiver situation where you've got all of the kind of archetypes of wide receivers you want to have, the speed guy, the size guy, the the, the whatever. It, it, it seems like this Georgia you know, wide receiver room is a little bit more filled out from a playing personality standpoint than maybe some of the Georgia wide receiver rooms of the past where everybody was these sort of big bodies, long arm, but maybe not the fastest guys in the world. All of a sudden now, Georgia seems to have brought in some different types of receivers, which I think is kind of fun.
2: Oh, most definitely. Uh, it was fun. I was looking at TikTok this morning. It was Todd Monkey addressing some of the Baltimore media. and He was talking about, as an offensive coordinator, offensive staff, he, wor- he worried about what the guys can do what- instead of what they can't do. And to your point, all of these receivers are different. So if one receiver is lacking in an area, They have other receivers that is his strength. So you put these receivers in position to be the best they could be because you're going to accentuate their strength and not their weaknesses. So uh, I think this group brings a different dimension. Everyone is different. Uh, And and I'm very excited about this group as a whole. And I know the Georgia fans are still looking for that 1,000-yard receiver. Um, and I am as well. I, I mean, I got I, for one for a long time, like nah, I don't want anybody in there. i have just been honest. I am the. I want to be the only one. I understand. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready for someone to come in and be that thousand RFC. So we can go ahead and just get that monkey off our back, just like these national championships. But I can see three of the receivers north of 600 yards. Um, if we get three receivers outside of Brock, north of 600 yards, that is a lot of production. And, uh, that's what I would like to see. Of course, I would like to see a $1,000 receiver, but if not, I would love to see the ball distribution to have three or four receivers north of 600 yards.
0: I will finish with this then. You know, a lot of this also kind of puts the spotlight back on the quarterback situation here a little bit, where we're going to learn a lot about a guy like Carson Beck, who I think is the leader in the clubhouse right now. I think he is the presumed starter for this upcoming season, you know, He's going to have what on paper looks to be a a pretty well-established offensive line. He's going to have a deep crop of wide receivers. He does not have the experience. That's obviously the case. But in terms of the weapons around him, if it is Beck who indeed emerges as the starter... You know, he's going to have more going for him than a lot of other other quarterbacks are are going to be able to have. How well positioned do you think Carson, or maybe a different quarterback, but for now I guess we'll keep it to Carson, how well positioned do you think a guy like that is right now to kind of step into this role of making this offense hum along uh, with the kind of pieces that are going to exist around him?
2: Well, I think he's in a perfect situation, having a generational tight end, um, having the weapons that he has, having the defensive – backbone that we have uh you just think about it as a young quarterback you just know if i don't make mistakes with the defensive uh team and defensive talent that we have they're going to get me the ball back so i don't have to go out there and put the game on my shoulders i could be a part of the of the reason we win but i don't have to be the main reason because of the talent that we have and i just think from from mike bobo perspective as well um as an offensive coordinator, an offensive play caller, you don't have to call that perfect game because you do have a defense over there that can get you the ball back when things are not going well and you get more opportunities. So I just think Carson just go out and play his game. I think his arm talent is undeniable. He just has to go out there and just just put the ball where it needs to be. We don't need the mistakes. You don't have to play hero ball. Just do what you do. He understands the offense. He's he very experience in this offense he just doesn't have game experience and that's going to come that's going to come so I'm very excited about Brock and the things that he could do with his arm
0: Terrence great stuff as always we appreciate you being here part of dog nation deadly presented by Mary Worth and Tharp obviously that Terrence Edwards wide receiver academy this time of year I know it's tricky because there's a lot going on but you're also always you know talking so much football online and doing things like that for people who want to reach out on social media and connect with the Terrence Edwards wide receiver academy how can they do that
2: You can find me on all social media platforms at Terrence Atwood's Wide Receiver Academy.
0: Terrence, it's great to speak to you. We appreciate your time and look forward to doing it again very soon. Thank you. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC through. That is a great conversation with a great former Georgia player. And on today's edition of our program, Uh, That is not the only great former player who's going to be with us. Ten minutes from right now, we'll talk to the former Georgia quarterback, Jake Fromm. And I want to get more into that quarterback situation with Jake a little bit. You know, it came up on yesterday's show of, uh, I guess it was our buddy Mike that that said, you know, are we sure that that Carson Beck's got this quarterback situation locked down? So I'll ask Jake Fromm that directly here in a moment about how much of a a lock does Carson Beck maybe have this quarterback position here right now. Uh, We'll do some of that with Jake Fromm here coming up in just a little bit. Prior to that, let's go cruise around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And boy, I'm really excited. It seems like there's so much new stuff going on in the Royal Caribbean right now. And, you know, obviously we're excited about our Dog Nation cruise coming up in April of 2024. Of course, that's the case. But also, Royal Caribbean introducing some brand new ships into the fleet there as well. And that's one of the things that has been really fun. You've been hearing us now talk for a while about Icon of the Seas debuting January of 2021. 2021, that's actually a couple of years ago. Sorry about that. Sometimes the synapses don't fire quite the way that I wish they would. Debuting in January of 2024, that's just a few months from now, Icon of the Seas. But y'all, that's not the only brand new cruise ship. Royal Caribbean's getting ready to roll out. How about Utopia of the Seas? This is the latest kind of Oasis-class ship. It's gonna be an amazing experience. You know brand new restaurant concepts obviously the same kind of oasis class entertainment and for those of you who maybe have a little bit of familiarity with like the royal caribbean cruise experience or a little bit of an you know f- familiar with the cruise experience overall the thing that sort of sets the oasis class ships apart from everything else because the ships are so large because they have so many distinct neighborhoods it's the array of entertainment options that you get That really make this what it is. I'm talking about the aqua theater on the back of the ship where you have the high diving show and all the great sort of stunt, spectacular stuff that kind of goes along with that, or the other live music type venues, or the Broadway style productions and all that kind of stuff. That's what Utopia of the Seas is is gonna really kind of be pushing the envelope with and really kind of, you know, once again, kind of taking that cruise experience to another level. And beginning July of twenty twenty four. You're going to be able to take those three- and four-night sailings from Port Canaveral. That's sort of my home port when I take cruises. That's the port that I like to sail out of. You're going to be able to take those three- and four-night sailings on an Oasis-class ship and a brand-new one, Utopia of the Sea. So it is time to start thinking about next summer and what you might be able to do there with that. Our friend Jessica Slater, she can help you. Give her a call, 770-718-9147. That's 770-718-9147. And if you want more details... But the Dog Nation cruise, April of 2024, also on an Oasis-class ship, Allure of the Seas. She's got a great website for you on all of that. How about royaldogs.com for more? That is royaldogs.com for more on that. She's got you covered there on everything. All right, so before we talk to Jake Fromm here in a few minutes, I want to talk about uh, what I think is a little bit interesting right now. So it is the final year in the Big 12 for Texas and Oklahoma before they join the sec and if you want to make a list of like the biggest storylines in college football we have said and i believe this is true that the biggest storyline in college football is georgia going for a third straight national championship there's nothing from any kind of intrigue or any kind of mystery there is no storyline in college football more significant than a historic feat that has not taken place since the 1930s that's that's the biggest deal in all college football After that, you can talk about Ohio State trying to get over the hump against Michigan. Michigan's beaten them two years in a row. You can talk about a lot of other things. The Georgia go for three in 23 is like the biggest deal that's out there right now. But beyond that, as I said, there are some interesting storylines. And one of those interesting storylines, sort of secondary to Georgia's pursuit of a third straight national championship, is what a program like Texas and a program like Oklahoma can do in their final year of the Big 12. Life, as you know, gets much harder for these programs next season So taking advantage of the opportunity they are in, kind of the new-look Big 12, teams like UCF, Cincinnati being added into the fold there, BYU, that's going to just be really, really important. And it's interesting to see right now Texas coach Steve Sarkeesian kind of articulating that a little bit, acknowledging that they want to take advantage of the last year Texas has in the Big 12. And let's face it, Texas has been, from a resource standpoint head and shoulders above all of its Big 12 competition for quite some time and they have been unable to do anything with that for the most part we've seen lots of different teams win the Big 12 since Texas last won and sort of speaks to Texas being kind of an underachieving program in the Big 12 their last chance to kind of correct that narrative about themselves is this year and to read this quote from Steve Sarkeesian because I believe that it's interesting he says I feel that our team is on a mission We've been building for this, to win a Big 12 championship. I feel like we missed an opportunity a year ago to not play for the Big 12 championship game because of our own undoing. That feels like a little bit of honesty. That feels like a little bit of personal responsibility there from Sarkeesian, probably not a bad thing. He goes on to say, we made some mistakes in a couple of games that cost us an opportunity to be in that game. These guys have been on a mission all winter, all spring. Well, we're about to find out how true that really is. Some of you may be aware that a few days ago I made my official playoff predictions. I did pick Texas to be one of my four playoff teams. I have jokingly said with you since then, do I feel great about that? No, I do not. That is not one of those picks that I sort of feel like uh, feels very good because the whole idea of Texas is back and being expected to be good and ultimately not being good. That's been true for Texas for quite some time. But maybe these words from Steve Sarkeesian, maybe they do signal an idea that this time Texas is going to be a little bit different. The one thing I do believe they have going for them, I know many of you have seen the photo of all the Texas quarterbacks. They're all jacked up in the weight room. March Manning's trying to flex real hard to kind of show off his muscles. But the truth is the Texas quarterback situation this year is no joke. That is a deep uh, room, deep position group. Malik Murphy, we're led to believe, had a very good spring. Arch Manning's obviously a former number one type recruit. But Quinn Ewers won that starting job with ease, led essentially wire-to-wire, pillar-to-post, never looked back. We believe that Quinn Ewers can be one of the very best quarterbacks in all college football, and we do think that Ewers can really separate uh, for Texas here this year, and they truly might be able to take advantage Of what is obviously a much more weak a much weaker, much more watered down conference in the Big Twelve than it would it will be in the SEC. So we've kind of cast our lot with Texas. We'll be laughed at almost certainly when it proves to be wrong, but that's kind of where we are right now. I guess I'll also add to this, I did see where Oklahoma, the other team leaving the Big Twelve to come to the SEC. I think I saw this correctly. In some of the preseason, you know, stuff that's out there, they've only had like one player being mentioned as kind of a preseason all Big Twelve. That's a real problem for Oklahoma right now, that for as much as people want to kind of point to Texas and underachieving and losing to Kansas, things like that, the truth is, is like right now, Oklahoma is maybe in the more precarious spot. It's a coach in Brent Venables who has no head coaching experience whatsoever. It's a team that's a far cry, at least on the field last year from where it was at the end of the Lincoln-Riley uh, era. I believe Oklahoma can bounce back. I think they'll probably have a better season. I think they're going to lean on a freshman quarterback and he may do okay for them. But, oh, boy, you talk about teams that need to make sure they got it figured out before life gets really tough for them in the SEC next year. Oklahoma is certainly an example of that. Many of you have seen that 2024 slate of opponents for Oklahoma in their first year in the SEC. It is tough. It is tough. And um, both these programs, Longhorns and Sooners, need to make sure they got it figured out before they come to the SEC. One more story I want to give to you here real quick. One of the big week one games, and I use big in air quotes because it's not, not going to exactly be you know, the marquee matchup, but, but a game that's going to get a good bit of attention is South Carolina playing North Carolina in shroud to begin the year. And there's some chatter starting to build about this game. Obviously, we know how South Carolina finished last season, the regular season anyway, beating Tennessee, beating Clemson. That certainly got the attention of Matt Brown, the UNC coach. Uh, he was quoted recently, and it sounds like he's trying to kind of stir something up here a little bit. Y'all listen to this quote from Matt Brown. who says, we give credit to South Carolina because of the way they finished the-, the previous season. And we talk about the things that we did well. He says, we were good, but nobody in our room is happy south carolina feels good about themselves everybody's bragging on them nobody's bragging about us and we did pretty good so the thing we will do is give shane beamer in south carolina all the uh credit in the world he says there uh you know trying to uh i guess sort of make this be like south carolina getting hype in a way that he says that north carolina is not getting but y'all we're not gonna let mac brown get away with this uh uh north carolina is the point spread favorite here in this particular game and North Carolina would have probably got a little bit more credit at the end of last season had they played more defense. So uh, this particular case, it seems like Mac Brown may be trying to spin a narrative that doesn't quite match up with reality. So we will make that cruise around the SEC, uh, courtesy of World Caribbean. And by the way, that UNC-South Carolina game, whatever Mac Brown's saying or not, I think that shapes, shapes up to be a really fun week one games so we'll certainly be looking ahead to all those games here in the weeks to come but for now on dog nation daily it's time for our Kroger fresh take as we get a chance to do as we have been now each, each week for the last few months getting a chance to talk to former Georgia quarterback Jake from Jake thanks so much for being on our show today we really appreciate that I hope you had a great 4th of July I hope y'all had some fun I know how busy you've been this summer working on your own uh, football uh, game uh, so hopefully uh, you had a chance to kind of get away for a little bit and relax and enjoy yourself and I hope it went well
3: hey Brennan, what's going on uh, doing good. Yes, we did. We had a great fourth. Um, got a little time away from all the work, but uh, it was good. It's all a good fireworks show and a good time spent with the fam.
0: That's always important. I love a good fireworks show, I'm so I'm glad you got a chance to in, uh, in, enjoy that here over the course of the last couple of days. Hey, one of the things that's come up on our show the last couple of days is the immediate future for the Georgia quarterback situation where when last we kind of checked in on this team at G-Day, we saw Carson Beck playing pretty well right there. I think you know a lot of folks sort of – concluded the spring assuming it would be Carson Beck's job but obviously you know it's a summer in which Gunnar Stockton and Brock Vandergriff are continuing to work hard there as well they want to stay a part of this uh competition how locked up do you think this is I mean I guess you know I said before you've got your own football career that you're thinking about but as you think about the uh, the program that you know you once were a part of I guess how much is your expectation that Carson Beck is the guy he will be the starting quarterback and this offense will be kind of constructed around him. Or how, how wide open do you think this still could be as you move into the start of summer practice here at the beginning of August?
3: Yeah, I mean, that's kind of a tough question, you know, because Coach Moore always preaches uh, just competitiveness. We're competing. Um, and, you know, each and every day is an opportunity to earn your spot. Um, but, you know, like you said, uh, Carson played really well in uh, the spring game. Um, but I, I think it's all going to come down to camp. And, and then all three of those guys are really good football players, really good quarterbacks. Um, and have a lot to give and to offer this football team. So I think it's going to come a lot down to who kind of wins the, the team over in the locker room uh, and who shows up a, a consistent competitor every single day throughout camp. But I, in the end, I do believe it's Carson's to lose. And, um, yeah, so I, I see him going out and proving himself uh, throughout camp just like he did throughout, throughout the spring.
0: And as you've said before, that job of kind of winning the team over, that's not something that begins in August. That's something that's maybe gone on right now or gone on over the course of these last few months. Uh, Would you mind talking a little bit more about, you know, kind of like that time away from the official practices where quarterbacks have a chance to really step up and show what they're all about?
3: Yeah, there's a lot of time to grow in a leadership role uh, throughout the summer, throughout summer workouts, because coaches are away, they're taking their vacations, they don't get to spend as much. Time with uh, the players as, as much as the uh, the strength staff does, uh, and then obviously nobody's going to spend more time with the players than the players themselves. So um, it's a great time for him uh, and for anybody really to, to step up, to lead, um, and, and prove that you know that they're capable of leading and directing this team where it needs to, need to needs to go and needs to be and end up, which is obviously back into a national championship uh, contender role. So um, it's, it's a big opportunity for those guys throughout these these strength programs they got going on throughout the runs. Uh, because, uh, man, they're tough. They're really tough here. Coach Sinclair does a great job uh, putting the guys through it mentally and physically. Um, I'm going to challenge them every single day.
0: No, I think that's really good. And one of the things we were talking, uh, we had Terrence Edwards, the former Georgia wide receiver, on the show a little earlier, and we are talking about some of the attention that the Georgia wide receivers have gotten in this preseason thus far. It seems like right now that's viewed to be one of the you know, the deeper groups in the country in terms of the expectations there. The Georgia offensive line looks to be really strong this year, too. And I guess the question that leads to me, Jake, is is that let's say it is Carson Beck who's the starting quarterback. On the one hand, he doesn't really have the in-game experience that Stetson Bennett would have had. But on the other hand, you know, he's got a good offensive line in front of him. He's got good wide receivers around him. How much can the talent around you overcome the lack of experience that a quarterback might have?
3: Yeah, I, mean, I think it's extremely, extremely helpful, um, and it, it really helps out and checks a lot of boxes um, that you may not have quite yet proven yet on the field. But um, you know, they're, they're going to you're going to earn confidence uh, and swagger from doing his practice, um, and you're going to feed off the confidence from the rest of the guys who've been there and done that too uh, in the huddle as well. So um, you know, as you know, in, in this case of Carson, um, you know, he he's been through practice. The practices here are as hard or harder than a lot of the football games that we end up playing in um, throughout the season. So he's been through it, um, and then he can feed off the confidence that the other guys have that they've been through it as well Um, and let those guys just put the ball in their hands and let those guys go make plays.
0: So it kind of leads me to as well, and after this we'll talk about something different, you know, I have said, hey, right now on paper, you know, look at Georgia in September. They're playing the Tennessee Martins. They're playing the Ball States. These aren't exactly the most interesting games in the world, so – you know, because you know, you do want to get some experience for Carson, because you do have this crop of receivers that I think you feel pretty good about. You know, I've sort of jokingly said on the show, hey, George needs to just go cut it loose. You know, they're not really, you know, playing for a lot of big marquee regular season games. So go out there and just sort of cut it loose and see about how many kind of big stats you can kind of put up. And you know this well as anybody. You know, Kirby's kind of got his own way sometimes. He likes a certain pace, he likes a certain style. When you guys were playing, was there ever that moment where you're like, boy, I wish we'd just go out here and just sort of flip the switch and show people how dominant and prolific we could be. Obviously, you guys were very successful, but at times it sort of seemed like that that Kirby sort of appreciated playing the game at a certain pace, and he had his reasons for doing the things the way that he did. Did you all ever just want to go out there and just sort of stomp your foot on the gas with it? I'm sure that, that all players would kind of want to from time to time.
3: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I think when it comes to, to Coach, he, he's all about playing uh, to a standard. You know, playing to a standard that we – ourselves create uh, and what we want to play and what we think we're capable of being. So uh, it kind of really doesn't matter, you know, who's on the other side of the field. It's just, Hey, we're going to go play to our standard um, that we know we're capable of playing um, and whatever it's going to be, it's going to be. So, uh, you know, I think for those guys early in the season um, and then as long as they can, can, can uh, have a mental focus uh, about playing to their standard and what they created during fall camp, I, I think you're going to be fine and, and be able to, to get better throughout the season
0: we got more with Jake Fromm coming up here in a moment as part of our Kroger Fresh Tag. but I also want to take a moment here to make an announcement that I promised that we would make, courtesy of our friends at Kroger and Traeger Grills. Many of you know we've been doing our Celebrate American Heroes contest over the course of this summer, and so many of you sent in great submissions, and we're proud today to announce our winner of that. In fact, I want to show you this on the screen here. Andrew Barnhart is the winner of the Traeger uh, Ironwood XL Grill here. Amazing story. So, uh, Andrew actually lives up in Ohio, and he's had all kinds of folks supporting him on this he's even had like Ohio State fans Michigan fans sort of weighing in on his behalf to help him uh win this uh uh, Ironwood XL grill courtesy of friends at Traeger Grills and a really cool thing here is you see the photo with Andrew with his dad he's actually going to gift the Traeger Ironwood XL Grill to his father who lives here in Georgia in the Augusta area over there and Andrew's going to give the grill to his father which is a really cool amazing thing to be able to do and obviously uh, his dad a great guy Andrew's great dog fan he uh, told us some stories about how much he's enjoyed some of the great Georgia wins here as of late so this really worked out exactly the way we hoped it would with a great contest celebrating American heroes Andrew Barnhart you are the winner congratulations and also congratulations to Andrew's father who sounds like going and get himself that Traeger Ironwood XL Grill. Obviously, the Kroger $500 gift card, a part of all this there as well. So, what a great contest. What a great winner. Congratulations, Andrew Barnhart, winner of the Traeger Ironwood XL Grill and the $500 gift card courtesy of Kroger. Jake, getting back to the Georgia football conversation here for a moment, one of the things I've talked about is. Um, the role that position coaches play in the overall culture of a team. And we've kind of highlighted Stacey Searles a little bit as of late. George has been on kind of a hot streak in recruiting some big-time offensive linemen. And the thing that I can tell is, and as I always have to tell you, I'm not a player, I'm not a coach, you know, I'm kind of only an observer – what goes on inside these programs but when i am at practice when you hear from people who've been a part of a team you talk about the way in which and you didn't really have a position coach at georgia because that's not how georgia's kind of divided up it's you know uh you know it's coaching responsibilities but you certainly saw the Dell mcgees or in your time a sam Pittman, or you know now you think about a brian mcclennan coaching wide receivers or you know stacy saros whoever else you know how important are those position coaches to sort of establish in the overall culture whether it be bringing in talented players through recruiting or what they do in conveying messages during practice, or kind of being that go-between for the player and the, and the head coach. You know, you get 10 of them. How important are those position coaches in particular in terms of really establishing what a football team is all about?
3: Yeah, Brian, that's a great question. Um, the uh, position coaches are a, they're an extension of the head coach. Obviously, the, you know, the culture, the standard, everything, you know, about a football program starts with the head coach. Um, but it's the position coach's job to go and to implement that um, and feed it into their rooms. Um, and then also, from a different perspective, as far as recruiting, position coaches are different in college because uh, in high school and in the NFL, uh, as a player, I don't, I don't get to choose who my position coach is. Hmm. But as a high school player committing to a college, I, I mean, essentially, I get to pick who I, who I want to be in a room with and get coached by every single day. So um, being able to to pick the right you know, uh, position coach as a, you know, as a head coach uh, and to hire the right guys is a, is a really big deal um, because, um, I mean, you're, you're with the kids every single day, um, and then you have to be able to have the, the right recruiting kind of skills as well as make sure we're really good uh, on the field uh, and in a week-to-week basis as far as game planning for the next opposing, opposing team. So um, that's, a, that's a huge, huge deal um, in the, the makings of your program.
0: Jake, I always love our conversation. I appreciate you being here as part of our Kroger Fresh Tech here today. We hope you enjoy the rest of your week and heading into the weekend, and we'll look forward to getting a chance to talk to you very soon, right back here as a part of a Kroger Fresh Tech on Dog Nation Daily.
3: Awesome, Brent. Thank you very much. Look forward to it.
0: Yeah, Jake, thanks so much to you as well. Interesting what Jake says there about how, you know, college is the one place where you get a chance to truly choose your position coach. So you're creating a little bit of a tighter bond because in the NFL you get drafted in high school. <laughs> there was a quaint time in the past when you went to the high school in which you were districted for. I don't know if that's quite as prevalent now as it would have been years ago. But uh, the point that Jake makes is certainly a, a very, very good one about the way in which you get to choose the position coach that's sort of right for you, and that's what makes college football unique and different. And clearly the guys at Georgia are doing a great job in terms of making their – position groups attractive to big-time recruits. Stacey Serrell is the latest example of that. Uh, certainly a lot of that going on here right now. Now, for our golden shoe today, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give a golden shoe to our great social media team at Dog Nation, led by the incomparable Casey Don, because Dog Nation is now on Threads. I was going to show you a little graphic of our Threads account, but I couldn't even find it, so so it gives you an idea of the fact that i am not dog nation's social media leader but if you know threads i guess it's like the new twitter uh courtesy of our friends at instagram so dog nation is on there if you're on Threads, you'll see dog nation we're already having fun and doing all kinds of cool stuff so make sure you check all of that out i have no idea if the lousy stinking gators are on there or not but if they are they've got nothing but complaints for how the last few years have gone for their program and nothing but fear for what the future holds there as well including 114 days from right now Georgia beating up on Florida again that is our gator hater countdown we will see all of you on dog nation daily presented by Meriwether and Tharp back here again
1: tomorrow